0: Serious allegations against the Las Vegas Aces WNBA turmoil. I have the brilliant tapologist Jacob Mox here to talk us through it, and I'll take you through my original reporting from this morning. Locked on women's basketball starts now. Welcome to for the win.
1: You are locked on women's basketball.
0: Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard McDonald, thanking you for making us your first listen every day. You can subscribe to our podcast at, on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcasts. And of course, the work we do is not just here, but it's always at thenexthoops.com. Over at The Next, we have over 100 recorded pieces about the world of women's basketball. Subscribe. We actually have a 23% off sale going on right now, 23% off for free agency here in 2023. Support the work. It's really important. It's what we do every day. And certainly something that we did this morning, we woke up the women's basketball world with uh, a bit of a bombshell, which is that I reported uh, citing nine lead sources that the Las Vegas Aces are under investigation by the WNBA for circumventing the salary cap. And I uh, got into it. Obviously, go over to the thenextubes.com to check it out as well, but we're going to get into it. And so I thought through, all right, how do I share this with all of you in a way that's most effective? And the place I wanted to go is to my friend Jacob Mox. Jacob is doing incredible work for us where he is. We were talking about it off the air. Audience editor, but also potentially we're going to call him audience editor, tapologist. He wrote these really important stories that you should check out at Her Hoop Stats. They're CBA explainers. Uh, on different aspects of what's a really important document. Uh, Jacob, thank you for taking the time to chat with us. And 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 I guess the place I wanna start is just uh, your first reaction this morning to what you were seeing out of the report. How surprising was it when you first saw?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was kind of hinted at that maybe this was going on in, Ham, in Derek Hamby's Instagram post. Um, as she was being traded to uh traded out of las vegas there were mentions of promises made to her in order to sign her her extension at the time um and it was clear that like so it was reported that when she signed she got a time off bonus that's fully above board but there were questions of if there's anything under the table mm-hmm. um and obviously that's what is being investigated right now um but, well,
0: so let, oh, and just to interrupt you, you know, just to yeah. let you guys know, the listeners in segment one, Jacob's going to talk to me about some of the reporting stuff. And then in segment two, we're going to get into some of the specifics on the CBA side of what options the lead even has to be able to do this. But, Jacob, I'm sorry, go ahead and finish that point. Yeah. Then. Yeah. So, so I'll, well, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. hold
1: off on any of the nitty gritty stuff. But for now, like mm-hmm. h- high level, um, It was very interesting because what this tells me, well, maybe it doesn't tell me anything yet, but there were questions of if this would even be investigated because the player who was outgoing, who seemed to want to air some sort of grievance, potentially related to this, it hurts her if there's an investigation and she was found to be part of it. Um, So I'm really surprised that whether this was initiated by her or whether this was maybe initiated by... A peeved other team in the league that didn't like that this was going on and kind of forced the hand. Um, I'm interested. Uh, at what stage did um, did these very specific allegations kind of become alleged to you?
0: So, this is a great question. I'm I'm actually writing more about this over at the Nine Newsletter in a little while. Just talking about more of the background. So that's going to drop in a, in a little while. Uh, but the short answer on that is that this conversation was everywhere. This is what players were talking about. This is what front office members were talking about. This is what owners were talking about. And the reason why it's so thorny, and obviously we get into that in segment two, um, in terms of the specifics of how you address it, is because there are all these overlapping things. There are members of the players association who are negatively affected by the fact that Las Vegas, if they are making these offers and other teams are not, they're not in a position to be able to pay be paid as well. There are players in the players association if Las Vegas is in fact found to be making these offers or receiving more as a result of it. And so, you know, this is a a frequent and a classic union conundrum of how do you properly represent all your members? The owners have a similar issue, which is to say that the more difficult this becomes, the more it can be policed if other owners wanted to try and do something similar. If, however, it is not policed properly, then there is essentially an arms race at that point. In a lot of ways, the salary cap becomes meaningless and the very worries That Kathy Andelbert and the league have, and it is worth pointing out, these are legitimate worries. These are not excuses used by the league because Kathy Andelbert's some supervillain who doesn't want to pay the players. That's not it at all. The league is legitimately concerned, however you feel about those concerns legitimately concerned about the upward pressure on players' salaries being supported by the economics of the league. And so from that perspective, something that leads to an arms race of outside deals is potentially concerning for the league as well. You even have the fact that from a general manager's perspective, when you're just trying to plan for what the upcoming offseason or offseasons are, to be able to plan a certain salary slot and to be able to plan around the idea, well, we're going to go after player X and we can reasonably budget for her at Y dollars becomes a moot point. So it's very, very challenging. And of course, the more attention that this gets, the league is also going to have to deal with all of these same questions about, well, are players being paid enough, which is you know, certainly a talking point, the league vastly um, does not prefer to, for instance, talk about super teams and how exciting those are uh, to behold. Uh, quite frankly, I think they're more interesting as well, right? But you have to cover the things that are actually happening, not necessarily the things that we'd want in our heart of hearts to be happening.
1: Yeah, and I think the enforcement is going to be really key because – um as we'll talk about later, the CBA has limits to what a team can actually be fined. It's unclear yeah. the manner that that would play out um, because as with a lot of things, the CBA has written very, <laughs> with a lot of gray area. But um, if you're Mark Davis and you get hit with some fine of a couple hundred thousand dollars or maybe even up to a million dollars, whatever it may be, if you keep winning, does he care if they just let him keep doing that and taking the fine?
0: I, you know, I quoted, One person I spoke to on background as saying that 500,000 was the best money Josiah ever spent on the airplanes. Although, again, and it's really worth noting that nobody around the league is saying, my God, the New York Liberty cheated. My God, the New York Liberty went and did something terrible. There's generally and not universally, but in a lot of corners, a lot of support for the New York Liberty pushing the envelope on charter flights. Um, This feels, (laughs) as, as many have said to me, several orders of magnitude different than anything that we were talking about when it came to the airplane issue last year. And this is something that is at its root makes the CBA in many ways meaningless. And if you don't have the rules of the road in place, it's exceptionally difficult or impossible to be able to to plan. And and that's just a huge, huge problem. So, yes, you know, someone said to me at one point, even if it's draft picks, you know, if you're looking for sort of a comparison, Joe Smith, look up Joe Smith, Minnesota Timberwolves, NBA. Um, You probably don't know anything about that, right? Right.
1: Yeah, I, it was a little bit before my like active NBA-watching time, but I, I certainly heard the stories. So.
0: And, and so for our audience who may not know, the Timberwolves came up with an arrangement with Joe Smith, who is a big NBA free agent target. We'll pay you $2.5 million a year, one-year contracts each of the next three years, and then use your bird rights and we'll pay you like crazy. But that, of course, circumvented the NBA CBA at the time. The contract was voided. Um Glenn Taylor, then the owner of the Timberwolves, interestingly, currently still the owner of the Timberwolves and the Lynx was fined in 3.5 million dollars. There were suspensions handed down. It it was it was a very big deal and a ton of draft picks lost. Well, as somebody said to me, imagine how upset Mark Davis will be if he has to give up the number 11 or 12 pick a couple of years in a row. And,
1: yeah, which which is uh, um he doesn't even have a first-round pick until 2025 because of all the trades they've been making.
0: So. Correct. Correct. So let's get into what options the lead have in just a moment. Uh, first, though, going to make sure we tell you about FanDuel. FanDuel, of course the new sports betting partner at lockdown and the number one sports book in America. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at fanduel.com slash locked to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's fanduel.com slash lockdown. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So Jacob. As sort of a means of framing the discussion. What are the specifically spelled out penalties for running a foul of the CBA?
1: Yeah. So it kind of branches into two paths. There is pure, like for the purpose of circumventing the cap and nothing more involving third parties, sponsors, anyone other than your own team to funnel money um, to the player. And that can come with, I believe, up to a $300,000 fine. Um, let me, yeah, let me just confirm. It's so, yeah, up to a $300,000 fine for the first for the first offense, up to $500,000 for the second and further offenses. It's unclear, like I said before, if that would be applied per player or if it's a single investigation, single offense sort of understanding. I'm not entirely sure. Um, There's also forfeiture uh, of first-round draft picks. Um, It does say only one, but again, that's going to be probably per offense, um, however they define that. And then what gets interesting is that there's this other section that is not necessarily like the shifting of money, but more the making agreements to shift money Mm -hmm. at like the promise of something – that isn't just direct compensation, um, which could well, potentially be applied here?
0: I want to read the plain text of it, because it's really interesting. I put this in the story, but I'm just going to read it out. Again, we at Lockdown Women's Festival, we know how to bring the clicks, and that's by reading verbatim from legal documents, right? I mean, Let's yeah. just basic SEO. <clears throat> Article 25 of the CBA, Section 1B, it shall constitute a violation of Section 1A, which is what you're referring to, above for a team or team affiliate to enter into an agreement or understanding with any sponsor or business partner or third party under which such sponsor, business partner or third party pays or agrees to pay compensation for basketball services, parentheses, this is a big one, even if such compensation is ostensibly designated as being for non-basketball services, very specifically what is being alleged here, to a player under contract uh, to the team. Such an agreement can be inferred where? One, Such compensation from the sponsor or business partner or third party is substantially in excess of the fair market value, which is what we're hearing, that it was going to be a lot of extra money for not all that much work. That is the allegation. And two, the compensation in the player contract between the player and the team is substantially below the fair market value of such a contract. As I'm reporting in the nine momentarily, we have seen a number of instances where teams had offered something significantly more than what got recorded on the books. Now, look, the argument, the defense against it is look at the the great team we're building and people wanted to do whatever it took to come there. But it's obviously not something you can take in a vacuum and the league will have to consider a full body of evidence that goes along with it that stuff there's a lot that's gray area and we've talked about this many times with us that one's that stuff's pretty black and white right
1: yep yeah i mean that's so that's like they're basically the two paths to proving it there's hard evidence of like a conversation with exact terms and and then like you said there's inferring it based on those two pieces of information kind of put together at the same time um yeah, the, like the, the only gray area is the kind of balance of fair market versus like a winning discount. And like that's probably going to be the only thing the aces have to argue in this case. Because clearly, based on your reporting, the amount of the like third party compensation was like without a doubt going to be beyond what would be fair market for like whatever they're doing on paper. To earn that compensation.
0: So. That, that is certainly the allegation. That is certainly what, what has been said throughout the league to be, you know, right. to clear about it. So let me ask you this and sort of kind of want to bring it around on these two questions, okay? Number one Is there a punishment that you can see available to the league in the CBA that doesn't simultaneously? do real damage to players involved in this as well? Is there a way, you know, because you look at you just find the aces and, you know, I as one person in the league said to me, it won't matter as little to Mark Davis as it did to Josiah, but it's not going to matter a lot to Mark Davis was the way it was put to me. And so, you know, so there's fines. There's We just talked about the draft pits, which mm-hmm.
1: you know, there's
0: about 11 or 12. The voiding of contracts, that's a serious business. And suddenly players would hit the market once again in a scenario where there is not a lot of cap room around the league anymore.
1: Right. Yeah. And it yeah, they the players that if they had the contracts voided, um, it's also a stipulation that they can't then immediately resign with the same team. Correct. They would have to basically pit stop with another team to be able to go back to the aces at any point and at that point you know blaming and like accepting these alleged comments like forms of compensation is a different discussion but would they even want to go back to the aces with how this has fallen out um so that in a league that is small in terms of the volume of players it maybe cuts like one out of every like 30 players, or one, yeah, one out of every like 30 players in the league doesn't even want to go back to the Aces. Aces are scrambling to fill their roster then this season, um, or whichever season any punishment would happen. I suppose it could take a while, um, of course.
0: Sure, but, two years yeah. from Joe Smith, uh, from the things happening with Joe Smith to the punishments being laid out for what it's, yeah, worth. there's I, not a lot I, of here, but to the extent that Joe Smith is the precedent, that one took a long time.
1: Yeah, and I would assume that they wouldn't impose any sort of punishment in mid-season. That would be a nightmare. You'd have to like have a team that's just entirely essentially replacement or like hardship players.
0: Um, I, but I'm just saying like there's a cost yeah. to a player going back on the market. Not that I think this will happen, but if they determined this was an issue and imposed that tomorrow the difference right. between being on the market on January 21st, when these conversations could first begin with other teams, and February 9th, when so much of the cap room has been spent, is enormous. That's an enormous cost to the player, arguably as much as it is to the team. And and for the lead to be able to impose this, it, it, in a lot of ways, it really needs the PA on board for it. It's hard to imagine the PA going along with that.
1: Yeah, and it would kind of, the the magnitude of any decision would depend on how how far back they can kind of retroactively prove this is happening. Whereas, like, I would assume that it's going to be easier to get details on anything that maybe happened this year, as opposed to any of, like, the wave of players who are signing extensions in prior seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> And the discussions between a free agent and a prospective team are probably going to differ in terms of what details are available from a player who is already under contract and is just being extended. Um, Yeah. It'll be interesting to see which players this reaches, if anything found to be, which it seems likely at this point, but you never know.
0: It will be fascinating to see. I agree with you. Here's my last question about it. How close are we to a point that the strict limits on the CBA salary cap are more hurtful to the league's bottom line than limiting that spending itself? And are we past that point in your view?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've I've been a proponent of a MLB style uh arrangement where it's a there's a luxury tax but there's no hard cap um especially the way in the latest CBA, the top salaries increased at a rate faster than the overall cap space yeah. and, and by the way into this situation that way
0: let's spell that out very briefly the max went immediately from 119 to 215 give or take a few yeah. hundred and the um the salary cap only went up 30 percent. so right. a big Gap, but, um, you know, and our, our Isabel Rodriguez did an amazing story on the impact it's had on the middle class of WNBA vets. But yeah, a huge difference. So and again, just a little bit of further context. Jacob is saying this is a Minnesota Twins fan. So I think that's worth noting that even a Twins fan is coming around to this idea as it relates to the WNBA. But please go on.
1: Yeah, I think I mean, especially in this age where we have Mark Davis and Joe Psy, like chomping at the bit to spend more money on their players yeah. um honestly it wouldn't be a bad idea to implement some sort of luxury tax system where for every dollar above some luxury limit the league is then taking in 50 80 90 percent of whatever's being spent um it probably wouldn't be enough to say like pay for full charter flights based on the numbers that have been quoted in a single year but it would be able to provide some benefits or or reach some form of revenue sharing that right now is kind of waiting on the new TV deal um, when that
0: comes. So Wait, I think that waiting on the new TV deal and expansion. Yes. Was supposed to be plan. a bridge to the new right. TV deal revenues, but now is set for at least 2025, based on Kathy Engelbert's most recent comments in Portland this past week, which would essentially put it in the same year as the new TV deal. So the, the, I guess to use the Rick Pitino phrase, the um, expansion fees aren't walking through that door.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, personally, for all the talk of like having to do all this work to prove it to whichever uh, like media rights deal they go with, um, not giving yourself a chance to get that tangible boost before the TV deal seems like Seems like antithetical to what uh, has been said about that. Um,
0: your past. your view is shared in many ownership um, circles on down throughout the league. And I guess it would be the safest way for me to describe that. Um, well, want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening. Make sure you check out the report over at thenextoops.com. Make sure you are following, of course, Jacob Mox at J-A-C-O-B-M-O-X. Um, he is indispensable as a source for information and as a human, um, I would say, as well. Make sure you check out the NINE newsletter later today, T-H-E-I-X-Sports.com. Make sure you are subscribing to this podcast, where we will have lots more about this. I also want to thank you, now that you've made us your first listen today, you should make your second listen game-to-game NBA. And it's interesting, Jacob, I found out um, there's a new owner of the Phoenix Liberty, excuse me, of the Phoenix Mercury, um, who was Matt uh, Ishiba. Am I pronouncing that right?
1: I think so. It's either Ishiba or Ishbia.
0: Ishbia. Okay. Well, either way, um, you know, he bought the Mercury. There's been a lot of fanfare around this, but, and it's just, it's underreported. And maybe, maybe it's just because it happened in the shadows a bit, but that he also bought the Suns. The Suns are in uh, a league called the NBA, and we actually have – I mean, it's amazing. Locked On just does everything, right? They have game-to-game NBA, every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On game-to-game covers every game from across the – and I want to get this right – NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. So follow Game-to-Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, YouTube. Or wherever you get podcasts and I, it's just my hope um, that you know Matt's holding a press conference today. I hope somebody squeezes in a son's question it's all gonna be all gonna be Mercury, all Mercury. but I just really you know because that lead deserves its shine too right like it's about time that men get an opportunity in the spotlight as well. wouldn't you agree? Absolutely yep yeah. here's hoping. Well, thank you all listeners. Jacob, thank you for your time. We will be back with you tomorrow. We had a wonderful conversation with Brooke Wyckoff over at Florida State talking all about Tania Latson and company. So I can't wait to share that with you. Until then, I'm Howard McDowell wishing you a wonderful Wednesday. Ogumbo Wallet for the win.
1: You are locked on women's basketball your daily podcast on women's basketball.